It is really good to be with you. And so before we get going, I thought I, that we would actually just greet one another. Um, and just a couple of things. It's Kerry's birthday today, her actual birthday. So Kerry, it's wonderful. Is it anybody else's actual birthday today? Okay, it's just you, Kerry. And then we act, we, I didn't speak to you about Claudia. Claudia has had her 90th birthday um, last week. So I hope you had a wonderful day. Let's spend a couple of moments and just greeting one another. And, and just before we do that, Kim. So when I arrived here, I noticed that Kim was knitting in the church. And I thought, well, I wonder what she's knitting. And I went up and I saw these amazing prayer shawls. So I don't know, Kim, if you could hold that up for us, the one you've knitted. Oh, you put it away. So there's this amazing prayer shawl that we, pray, we sing over, we pray over and God, in God's presence. And it's actually used to give people in hospital, people that are sick, people that just need to experience God's love. And I want to say I've experienced that. And especially this week in preparation for this weather pattern. I've had many people phone me, message me, actually ask me, are you okay? And I managed to go to Costco with my friend Helen yesterday. So friends, can we greet one another? It is my privilege to introduce you, Helen. Helen, I'd hate for you to do this, but stand up. Helen has come all the way um, from South Africa to, to spend the last week for me. So if you want any secrets, it's, it's Helen that you need to speak to. Okay. So friends, yeah, Kim's run all the way. She's brought the prayer shawl. And I think that's amazing. Kim, it's, it feels like we're making you model up and down the church. And I try and show your prayer shawl. But this is an amazing prayer shawl. Isn't that stunning? So let's, friends, let's spend a couple of seconds. Do you got where to go, Kim? Oh, they can't see it. Like, you have to up and down all the aisles. Let's spend two seconds <laughs> greeting one another. And if you're online, it's great to have you. Let's stand up and have 10 seconds of chaos. Sorry. Let's stand together. This is when I get nervous in this church, that we will not sing and we will not preach. <laughs> Something is happening in that corner over there. <laughs> Friends, let's come together in our call to worship. God of life. Once more, you have called us together for worship. We have come to be refreshed. We have come to be reminded of whose we are. We have come to explore who and how you are calling us to be in the world. God of light, in this time together, open our eyes, our heart, and our very beings to see, to hear, and to feel how you are active in our midst. God of love calls us to live love. May the time we spend listening for your still, small voice awaken an awareness of how we can put love into action, how we can care for all of our relationships. We pray in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's continue in worship.
worship the God who is. We worship the God who all the doors will be. He opened the prison doors. He parted the raging sea. My God speaks, holds the victory. joy of the Lord in this place yes. there's a song that says the joy of the Lord is our strength and in this time we need strength to continue to live and to not have to be in fear but to enjoy what God has allowed us to see is that amen, amen. next song we'd like to do is your great name
How many love the Lord today? How many really, really, really are in love with the Lord today? So can we sing a love song to the Lord? I just love songs. I love you, Lord. And I lift my voice. And I powerful way to start a service right through song and through connection and through just sharing love to one another um, let's bow our heads and have a moment of prayer with our father dearest Heavenly Father all honor and eternal power belong to you hear this prayer Father God our hearts are filled with such love and adoration as we bow our heads and open our hearts to worship you. We confess that there are many times we act alone as we try to live out our lives. Forgive us, Father, for these shortcomings. Let us today re be reminded of the rest that you offer when we come seeking you first, that we can find peace simply by an intentional stillness. Help us, too, to understand just how deeply you love us, that even in our sinfulness and unwillingness to love our neighbors, you wait upon us to become sanctified through the grace that you offer all who seek. Father, help us to grow closer to you through the hearing of your timeless word, that we would find deeper prayer and intentional worship as our stronghold. May our foundations be strengthened to support future generations as we prepare for our eternal homes. 
And Father, help us to walk in the ever-developing maturity that will enable us to be in perfect harmony with your spirit. The world is in chaos and suffering, especially from spiritual sickness. And yet we know that you are ever creating, moving and shaking the places that are not on solid ground. We pray for your will to be done in all things, Father. We pray now for goodness and mercy for those who need your guidance and healing, as well as for those who are persecuted and seek justice, those who are in the, the way of the storms, Father God. Hear our prayers as we pray the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. What an incredible time to celebrate the power in the name of Jesus. We're going to be receiving the offering now. And as we receive the offering, just a few things that are, is happening in the life of the church. And it's really not correct for me to say there are a few things that are happening in this month of October. Because we actually need a calendar. Um, to tell you about what's happening in the life of our, of our church in October. And so we want to highlight a couple of things that we don't forget. I'm going to be your Alexa. Okay, so, all right, okay. I, I saw Alexa's light goes green even when you're not talking to it. I got worried last <laughs> night. So a couple of things. We have got a baptism next Sunday, right, at 5 yes. o'clock at the beach? Yes, so we have a beach baptism next Sunday. If you would like to be baptized for the first time or reaffirm your baptism at the beach, we're going to meet at Chernow Park in Hollywood Beach, and we're going to have a great time. We're going to do a beach baptism. Who knows what will happen afterwards? Maybe we'll grab a bite to eat. But 5 o'clock, Chernow Park, come out. Let me know if you plan on coming so we know who we're planning on. But it would be great. Just show up. If you forget or have a change of heart, it would be great. Okay, so that's next Sunday. And then no one can forget, next Saturday, the pumpkins arrive. And so what we're going to do is we've been speaking about the fact that October is going to be our stewardship month. It's where we look at our gifts, our time, our talents, and our treasure. And we're going to be starting that with, with a time of prayer together. And we have this phenomenal prayer program that launches on the 1st. So we're going to begin the pumpkins with this phenomenal program um, that kind of connects all of us. I've been writing about it. You've been hearing about it. Come at 8 o'clock. 8 o'clock. And we will start. It's very easy to find. It's the big tent in the field. We'll be there looking for everyone. And we'd love you to be part of it. Mean, you can buy the book. You can get it online. There's a hundred different ways that you can connect with us. And we want to pray into where God is leading us as a church and where God is calling us to serve. So be part of that breakthrough prayer moment in the life of this church. I think okay. that gets us through the weekend and then we got more stuff. And then you'll go to Canada <laughs> from Anne. Absolutely. Friends, thanks so much. Um, let us continue now in a moment of worship.
Let's pray together. Lord God, we come before you now to receive your word. We have brought our treasure before you. We have received gifts throughout the week. We thank you for your provision in our lives. And we pray, God, that as we receive your word, it would sow deep seeds of faith in our lives. Open our minds and open our hearts today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I read to you from Luke's Gospel, chapter 16, and we're reading from verse 19 to 31. There was a certain rich man who clothed himself in purple and fine linen and who feasted luxuriously every day. At his gate lay a certain poor man named Lazarus, was covered with sores. Lazarus longed to eat the crumbs that fell from the rich man's table, but instead dogs would come and lick his sores. The poor man died and was carried by angels to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried. While being tormented in the place of the dead, he looked up and he saw Abraham at a distance with Lazarus at his side. He shouted, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. Send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue because I am suffering in this flame. But Abraham said, child, remember, that during your lifetime you received good things, whereas Lazarus received terrible things. Now Lazarus is being comforted, and you are in great pain. Moreover, a great crevice has been fixed between us and you. Those who wish to cross over from here to you cannot. Neither can anyone cross from there to us. The rich man said, Then I beg you, Father, send Lazarus to my father's house. I have five brothers. He needs to warn them so that they don't come to this place of agony. Abraham replied, They have Moses and the prophets. They must listen to them. The rich man said, no, Father Abraham, but if someone from the dead goes to them, they will change their hearts and lives. And Abraham said, 
if they don't listen to Moses and the prophets, then neither will they be persuaded if someone rises from the dead. Thanks be to God for his word. I think we're going to sing that song again. So we've been traveling in the, in the gospel of Luke for the, for the last couple of months as being part of our lectionary reading. And you'll know that Luke wanted to impart a very orderly gospel to us. He was trying to impress upon Theophilus, who was learning um, about what it means to actually be a follower of God. And he wanted to give with absolute certainty this account of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. He actually used the word certainty, and as a physician, as a doctor, he was precise in the language that he chooses, and translated asphalia, it really means he wanted to impart a stability of ideas, or the stability of statements. And so for the last couple of weeks, we have really been listening to these statements that are supposed to bring about certainty in our lives, to, to really speak to the foundation of our faith. That's really what the gospel, according to Luke, has tried to do. And so today we discover that in amongst the certainty is really a struggle and a conversation between life and death a confrontation of the, the chasms or, or great divides that we face in life, the consequences of our choices, and the many conversations that we have in this life that reflect into eternity. And so we have very clearly a poor man who's given a name, Lazarus. We have a rich man without a name in this story. And we see the story that, that takes us into the agony of poverty and then into, really into the essence of God hearing the cry and the pain of his life, into a place of rested, deep, restful peace and healing and comfort. And then we are forced into scrutinizing this rich man who, who really is suffering. He's literally in flames. He's burning. And, and, and he's desperate to change his fate, and he realizes he cannot. And so he begins to try and negotiate with Abraham, that Abraham sends messengers to his brothers because he doesn't want them to suffer the same kind of fate. And so we come to this passage and, and we have to examine it in the full context of where we are in the Gospel of Luke. But the, the, the central theme of this particular passage is about how we deal with poverty in our lives. We cannot escape that. We have been doing some trips, Helen and myself, and the one trip was to Miami. Okay. And I know some of you do that every day because you work in Miami, like, where, where to go? Um, but we went to Miami. As we came into Miami, we, we were, I'm, I'm not sure which road we took, but we, we <laughs> there, there seems to be a number of roads that you can use to get to Miami. But we kind of came off the highway, and as we came off the highway, there, there was a Dunkin' Donuts, as there usually is on any corner. Um, but in the midst of it all, there was a woman. And quite honestly, she, she was using, needing to go to the toilet, to be blunt. And we, it was staggering, because that is staggering, obviously. You know, in the most private places that we go, we close doors, and no one sees us, and we don't even speak about that, heaven forbid. But here was this woman in the midst of everywhere, in a busy intersection. And you looked, I mean, you couldn't escape her. There's just no way you can escape her. And then you see it, like we've all seen it. The pain 
and the agony and the madness of poverty. And if we cannot sit in that place as Christians, we cannot experience the kingdom of heaven. There is something about the anguish of when people have lost everything and have nothing, and there might be a million reasons as to how that happened. But when poverty of any nature creeps in, be it financial or be it spiritual, there is almost a flame that burns you from the inside out. Something diminishes your humanity. And so what Jesus, remember, he's just spoken to the Pharisees. I mean, he's really struggling with the Pharisees. He's saying to them, you are not listening. He's just had a confrontation a few minutes earlier, and he says to them, you, you really tell everybody what they must believe. So basically, he's talking to the religious order. You neatly explain to people what they must believe, but you yourselves struggle because your hearts are not right. He then goes on to speak about divorce, and he speaks about infidelity that creates divorce, often. And then, and then he says, he, he, he really impresses upon them, he said, it doesn't matter what you say, God knows your hearts. And then we come to the story. We come to the story that, that is a drastic reversal of what happens to the rich man on earth and the poor Lazarus. We, we are forced to actually taste Lazarus's agony. He couldn't, he imagined what those feasting tables of the rich man looked like, and yet he couldn't have a crumb. And now there is the divide. We know very clearly from the Gospel of Matthew that when Jesus says, and we read it in Matthew chapter 25, when when Matthew says, you will know that God's presence has been there when you treat the hungry and the sick and the poor and you visit those in prison. There was something about Mary when she was pregnant with Jesus, when she sings that song and she says, the hungry will be full. When Jesus says in Luke's gospel, right early in chapter 4, when he says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has called me to preach good news to the poor, to set the captives free. We know that the rich man struggled and Jesus said, well, you would experience the kingdom of heaven if you sell everything. We have no choice on earth but to deal with the way we deal with poverty and our possessions. It's almost as if we hold them in balance. We have no choice in establishing the kingdom of heaven where we do not deal with what we have and what we do not have and how we treat those who are vulnerable. And so I want to speak about three things this morning. First of all, that there is a great chasm that comes often because of our choices. We see very clearly here that, that at no point in the telling of this parable does Jesus actually say that there is something bad about the rich man. At no point. We make all sorts of assumptions about that because, you know, he's now burning. But there's no point. Does it say there's anything bad about him? All it really says is, is that he seemed to live oblivious about the agony that was around him. And so somehow this parable really draws us to a couple of things. It draws us to our own choices. Our choices around possessions, poverty, and fidelity. I mean, you, you, you can't arrive there without reading those first passages. Because ultimately, it's what's in our hearts. So in other words, we will often find a chasm a great divide, an unbridgeable place when we haven't lived aware of the impact of our choices. 
There is something about the Christian life that calls us into congruent transparency. What you see is what you get. And is that true? That's really what Jesus keeps confronting in these passages. Is it true what you see is what you get? Or is there a secret life behind it all? We are called into a place of deep congruency. We are also reminded that we are known and we are seen and we are heard. Abraham makes it very clear in this conversation between heaven and hell or, or the place that really separates us from, from God, that the agony that we experience here will actually be resolved, maybe not on earth, but ultimately in heaven. We're promised that in the scripture. And so we are reminded that every detail of our lives is important. And so we are called to live with deep wisdom and awareness. And that's really the struggle that the Pharisees had. They, they heard it. I mean, Jesus says it doesn't matter. I mean, somebody can come and tell, to see you from the dead. It's not going to change the way they, they live. We have everything available at our disposal. It really comes down to the choices that we make. And so, be aware of the choices of our lives. Struggle with the choices. We heard last week, and Glory, that was a tough sermon that you had to preach on last week. Way to go. That was really good. We heard about that shrewd manager that was like really confusing, but the bottom line is that we, we have what it needs and we have what it takes. We're called to live in congruent awareness of our actions. Second thing I'd like to look at is I'd like to suggest that we call ourselves Methodists. We are very methodical people. It doesn't matter where we are. Whether we're in Jamaica, we have a minister here from Jamaica in Amnestas. Jean is a minister from Jamaica. Whether we're in South Africa, whether we are in America, whether we are in England or in Korea, Methodists are methodical. It's the most phenomenal thing. Quite disciplined people. And, and you know what the central theme of Methodism is? It's to spread scriptural holiness. So in fact, if you do not come and be uncomfortable in church, we've not really heard the gospel. Like, don't kick me out yet, all right? <laughs> to be holy in all things and to spread scriptural holiness, we have to struggle with scripture. So because we have to struggle with the chasms, the divides, the unbridgeable spaces that take us into a place of our choices, we also have to deal with the gaps that are in our heart. The gaps that exist in our heart. What are they? What, what in your heart is, is unsettled? Cynthia Bourgeau says something. She speaks about the parables of Jesus almost, and she compares it. She says, the parables of Jesus are like hand grenades that go off in our minds. They disrupt the conventional, conditional patterns of our lives. They disrupt the conventional conditioned patterns, and they call us to be new and renewed all the time. So this parable disrupts the pattern, but it, it does seem when Jesus tells this parable that it's, the, it's a little bit like the Jewish people have understood. It was like a midrash. It was a story. It almost feels like it's a folklore because they almost know the story, but the truth is we all know the story. This is a story we all know. We have all seen it. We have lived it. The agony of poverty and riches. We, we, we know the story. And none of us want to be in this place where, where we find that there is nothing we can do about it. That's, that's the thing that we struggle with the most. It's, that's where we become desperate in the story. But you can see... But, but please, go, go and send someone. I've got five brothers. The desperation, the distance, that's like it's an impossible divide. 
Is there a moment, and we struggle with this. You know, this is a great turn or burn sermon. You know, we have, you know, it's kind of like, it's like, but it's really not about that. It's really about dealing with where in our heart, allow your heart to be exploded by this parable. Don't be defensive in its discomfort because it opens us up to a new possibility. The, the, the Hebrew word for hell is Gehenna in this passage, Gehenna, which is really a, a, the historical rubbish dump outside Jerusalem. There was a historical rubbish dump. That's where they actually think Jesus was crucified, at Gehenna. Outside, we will often find that our choices can actually put us outside. And so sometimes we all know what it's like to be outside, to be not part of that, the, the, the group, to be outside, to be forced into a place where, where we are isolated. And really what Jesus wants us to do is he wants us to deal with the, with the places in our hearts that really are disrupted. And we all have them. We all have different ones. I have loved having Helen come and visit me. So I met Helen 25 years ago when we arrived. I was just entering um, the ministry, and I prayed to God for a friend. Has anybody ever prayed to God for a friend? It's a very special thing to pray to God for a friend. And when God gives you a friend, like they become special in your life. And I was like, I want a special friend. And I'd never really prayed for a friend before. And the first friend I met was Helen. So I decided, well, she's the one God sent me. Um, you know, and, it's, and we had children of similar ages. We talk a lot. And we've jabber, 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 jabber the last couple of days so much. I've cried lots with her. She, she, you know, but the thing, the thing that I've loved is that she has been a witness for all my life for the last 25 years. And I can be vulnerable with her. Really, there's no point in us actually not being vulnerable with one another. Somehow we have learned a behavior in the church that has conditioned us no longer to be vulnerable, to actually be brokenhearted with each other. And so there's something in this particular parable that allows us to see the vulnerability of our humanity. It is good to have a witness to your life. It is good that our hearts are weighed. It's good. It's a good thing. This doesn't come with shame, but it comes with an invitation for transformation. It also comes with a warning that some of us will actually live life and we will actually not resolve the choices and and there will be a discomfort for us on the other side. It, it, there will be. Now, in the true sense, this Gehenna is really a place where, where, where the, the burning flames expressed here are really a historical marker to deal with what needs to ultimately be dealt with in our lives. It's almost the, 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 the flames that separate, that burn, the, and separate the chaff from the wheat. It's that kind of sense. Jesus wants the Christian world, the followers, to know that this is a faith that is serious, that demands my all. We've all sung that hymn. The truth is we live in a world where there are more Lazaruses than there are the rich man. We know that a third of the world subsists in less than $2 a day. We know that 16% of the global economic output in the world is owned by, listen to this, 0.00000, that's one, two, three, four, one, six percent this life really is not heaven. 
but, but our eyes and our hearts are called to heaven. And that's really what I want to say in conclusion today. This, this parable calls us to conversion. It calls us to the places that real liberation, real freedom, real comfort comes when we ultimately share the kingdom of heaven on earth. I know that you all believe that the decisions that we make, the people that we are becoming now, are the people who we will be in heaven. I know you know that, right? And so there is, as part of what this gospel message does, it really says you are living heaven on earth. You are living eternity today in the way you allow the power of the gospels to transform your lives. We are a resurrection people. We are a resurrection, and we don't, we don't end it with this great chasm. I am so happy that next week we get to celebrate communion because nothing separates us from the love of God that is found in Christ Jesus. For he has laid his life down for you and for me. And we are called to live consciously, aware, but we are also called to be lived out in and through the presence of Christ. Allow God to do disruptive work in your soul and your heart this week. And come next Sunday to celebrate how profoundly loved you are. Let us pray together. Some of us know the, the flames of hell. In fact, some of us have lived them on earth. We know, Lord God, that some of us here have had our hearts crushed and our hopes destroyed. Some of us, even watching the service today, have more money than we are sure what to do with. And we keep walking away like the rich man. And so, God, we invite you to weigh our hearts. Weigh our hearts. We also thank you that we have Jesus. And we don't leave here today without that. And so we pray that the power and presence of Jesus Christ would heal the sores, would rebuild hope, would liberate the oppressed, would comfort the agony, and would keep setting us on a path where the kingdom of heaven is revealed on earth. Make us brave enough to encounter your presence. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Friends, let's stand together as we sing Everlasting God.
And now may the strength of our Lord Jesus Christ, may the love of God, and may the presence of the Holy Spirit bless you all this week. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, friends, just before we go, don't forget to join us for some tea. And I think I'm probably going to have to pray special prayers, bearing in mind I'm beginning to see that not everybody supports the same teams and games in this church. But we'll see you um, out in the, um, in the mission building. And don't forget, Saturday at the Pumpkins. Thanks, Michael.